this morning's topic, what am I doing here? This business breakthrough series was really just a, a, you know, a, a thought that I felt the Lord dropped in my spirit about bringing the business people together. We can't do it in person just yet. Bring them together online. Bring some preaching uh, and some teaching um, around, you know, for the marketplace <clears throat> and, um, and try and have fun doing it at the same time. So today's topic is, what I want to preach on is the power of prosperity. The power of prosperity. See, right now I'm expecting a whole bunch of like emojis to turn up in the chat because when I talk about the power and I talk about prosperity, I would assume that as marketplace people, you'd be fairly inspired, encouraged, maybe sitting on the front of your seat with that one because it is a big topic. I also, uh, I also, <laughs> I also picked those words because, um, because they can be quite offensive. And one of my favorite things to do is to um, rattle the cages of the enemy and, uh, and upset those religious spirits uh, so that we can show them who's boss and point the glory back to God. And so that's, that's kind of how I'm going to be talking about it here this morning. You know... <clears throat> The concept of prosperity in the kingdom of God, wealth is another word, whatever you want to call it. Substance is how the Bible says it sometimes. The concept has been really shied away from. Um, in fact, we celebrate many gifts in the body of Christ, right? We celebrate the preacher or the teacher or the worship leader or the Sunday school teacher right, or the home group leader. <clears throat> we even celebrate the tea lady who makes the tea just before the end of church so we can all sit down and have a nice cup of tea. Like, and we, you know, we th that's the ministry of helps. Like, you know, we've done a what, like, we, we literally are like saying these people are graced for these roles. Well, newsflash, there is also a grace and an obligation to use wealth to establish the kingdom of God as well. But we don't seem to value it anywhere near the same amount. And I do have to wonder why. <clears throat> because it's as powerful, not more powerful, it is as powerful as any of the other giftings that we can have as a believer. But why is it that we have shied away so much from wanting to, to talk about, discover, explore the gift that somebody might have on their life to go out of their way to use the gift inside of them to produce wealth to advance the kingdom of God. And what I want to do is I want to bring that gift, dust it off, polish it up a little bit because it's been a bit forgotten about for a while and bring it to the forefront. And I would love to get the conversation happening through the body of Christ where we actually value the gift of creating wealth for the kingdom of God as much as we may value a gift to write beautiful music that honors God, sing beautiful songs that honors God, you know, write wonderful sermons that, that honor God. Like, I would, love to, I would love the gift of wealth building to be as valued as the rest. However, though, that's not how it is today. And I think one of the reasons why the body of Christ have, have shied away so much from the gift of wealth is because, because of how easily it corrupts. And it's true, right? Um, you know, there are many, many, many warnings in Scripture about how 
the lure of wealth can corrupt us. But that should not be a reason, right? That should not be a reason to shy away from it. That should be a reason to bring more teaching to it, right? So that it's an area that we can master without it being detrimental to us. You know, like, so, you know, the business person would suffer from, you know, greed and corruption and self-centeredness. But the rest of the body are struggling with things too. Like, every single day you'll read about a pastor who's, decided to, you know, go and have an affair or a worship leader who's now got fame issues because everybody's lorded over their music for so long, right? You know, like, everybody, everybody who operates in their gifting will have to stand down an enemy. <clears throat> we, we just, we are, for some reason, so scared of the, you know, for a pastor, <clears throat> it might be fame or, or lust or whatever, like, you know, whatever, for us, it's the spirit of mammon because it wants to lure us away from honoring God with our wealth. S- same, same. Our role is to grow in the gift of God, do it in, you know, under the servitude of him <clears throat> and make sure that we do not get taken out by the enemy on the way through. It's the same for every function and every role in the kingdom of God and for ours as well. So here I am, here I am wanting to say to you with all boldness that the pursuit of wealth is noble. The pursuit of wealth is noble. Do me a favor right now. If you believe that, write that in the comments for me or in the chat. If you're on the tube, I need some interaction with you. If you're on the LinkedIn, I need some interaction with you. If you're on the Facebook, then I need some interaction with you. Do me a favor, type into the comments or the chat, the pursuit of wealth is noble. And of course, for some reason, we have absolutely no problem looking at the Old Testament and seeing people that God prospered, right? You know, Jacob, Isaac, Lot, you know, like we, all these people who are like, yes, the Lord just literally looked down on them and they saw their cattle go from none to an absolute magnitude of cattle. Like we, we have no problem doing this, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, right? You know, if God's so upset by finances, he must have really hated Solomon, right? So, so when, I, when I think about all this, I'm like, we, we have no problem, right, understanding it in the Old Covenant, but then when it comes to New Covenant teaching, we can get a little bit confused, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, no, 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 no. God told, Jesus told the disciples to, you know, go in twos and don't take any money and don't even take a second shirt. Yeah, 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 that was for a purpose. That's not the blanket rule for everybody, all right? But, there are, but we struggle in our minds to see it in the New Testament because the New Testament, because a lot of teaching today has been, you know, reduced down to insta quotes, right? One little chapter and verse. Because of that, the only... The, the biggest thing you can distill from that is warnings about wealth. You know, the rich young ruler and the eye of the needle and blah, 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 blah. They're all good things. There are fun- By the way, those are phenomenal teachings on how to handle the gift of wealth building. None of them say it's bad. None of them say don't go after wealth. They're all warnings about how to do it properly, all right? But I want to kind of pick up on a few other things in the New Testament to prove to you, right, that there is a gift of wealth and a role a role that wealth plays in establishing the kingdom on earth. Have you ever heard of a guy called Theophilus? If you've been around me for a little while, then you probably have. Uh, You will notice Theophilus is mentioned uh, sometimes. 
at the, at the start of the writings of Luke and at the start of the writings of Acts. Acts starts with this one. The former account I made, O Theophilus. Okay, that's Acts. So Luke and Acts were written by Luke. Um, listen to this. Theophilus. Why does he make it at the start of the journey? Theophilus was a wealthy dignitary of the day. And Theophilus had wealth and accumulated wealth and he used his wealth for a good purpose. Because Theoph the reason why Luke is writing back to Theophilus is because Theophilus funded Luke to follow Paul to write the book of Acts. So just think about that. Here we are. We have a man who has decided to use his wealth. I hey, Luke, I will pay all of your wages to go on a journey for however long it takes, years, uh, to follow Paul so that you can document what happened and put it down in writing. See, that is a phenomenal use of wealth. And by the way, you know, I have people that say to me all the time, I, I have a bit, of a, a bit of fun with this one. People that say to me things like, oh, well, you know, wealth is bad and God doesn't want you to have any and, you know, you're meant to be broke and that's how you bring, you know, like, I remember a specific account. It was at my old church uh, and this guy had literally organized this event where he's going to come up to me and he's going to tear strips off me, right? Um, we'll call him Dave, right? That wasn't his name. His, his name was John, but we'll call him Dave. And, you know, and, and he's literally up in my face and he's like, you're doing the wrong thing, sending people to hell. You're making money. God doesn't want your money. God wants you to have an empty kitchen so that when you bring people over, they must, you know, turns up with some bread so you can feed them. And I'm like, and I said to this guy, I said, hey, listen, okay, I got it. I get where you're coming from. You're not the first person that I've come across with a religious spirit. I said, hey, listen, have you, do you enjoy reading the book of Acts? Yeah, oh, yeah, I love Acts. He said, what's that got to do with what I'm talking to you about? I said, well, well, here's the thing. If you love Acts, but you think money is evil, then you need to stop reading Acts, right? You know, like you, you can't have both. The only reason why we have the book of Acts today is because a man called Theophilus used his wealth to fund a doctor, the only person that could certify a miracle, Luke, Dr. Luke, the only person that had the credibility to certify a miracle, he funded him to follow Paul to write the book of Acts, and that's why you have it today, to the point where, but of course, when you're arguing with a religious spirit, you just end up with two angry people because, you know, they're, they're just, they're just, it just doesn't sink in. But I say that to point out to you that here is an example in the New Covenant of somebody who used their wealth and hugely benefited the kingdom of God. What about Joseph of Arimathea, right? We, we don't see much of Joseph, but Joseph of Arimathea was the modern day equivalent of like um, the minister for minerals, right? That, that kind of role of the day. Um, others have referred to him as a tin merchant, but he was more governmental in his thing than, um, he, he played a dual role almost of, of being a merchant, but almost in with the government. It was a, it, it's not a role that we have today. But Joseph of Arimathea kept quiet, right? The fact that he believed in Jesus um, and he wasn't a public person, but he had this great role. And then, of course, when Jesus uh, comes, he prepays his burial and says, I want the body of Jesus. And he's able to go and put him in the tomb. What a phenomenal role that wealth used. This guy used his wealth to prepay for a tomb so that he could take the body of Jesus and bring it back to the people and look after it, right? What a, what a gift that this guy is. What about this guy called Joses? Joses in Acts 4.36. Let me see if I can just, I think I've got it here. Acts 4.36, what about this guy? That's not where I'm going. 
<laughs> yes, it is. That's not Joseph's. Well, that's not him either. All right. Well, don't worry about Joseph. <laughs> Joseph is a guy from Scripture who the Scripture says that he makes wealth, sells, trades, and brings the money to the apostles' feet for distribution. He uses his gift of trading to create wealth and bring it to the apostles' feet for distribution, right? Of course, it's a gift. It's a gift of wealth. So now we've got Theophilus, Joseph, and Joseph. What about this guy? Cornelius. You would have heard about Cornelius. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian regiment, a devout man who had feared God with his household, who gave alms generously. So what can we distill from that? We can distill that he actually went out of his way to use his wealth to give to the needy and to give to the poor, right? The, the fact that they would write that says that it must have been a fairly big affair in his life. And then, of course, there's another one that's absolutely amazing off the top of my head. Let me see if I can get there. Let me see if I can get there. Ooh. Actually, I think I might have written it down down here. It'll be a good one. It's worth the wait. Hang on. Anyway, you'll know the story. There is a centurion whose daughter is unwell. Actually, maybe it's a daughter of one of his servants. doesn't matter. Anyway, the, the, uh, the people come to him and they say, hey, you've got to go to the centurion's house because he is an amazing man for the kingdom of God. He has built us a synagogue. So just think about that. This one person is so enamored with the kingdom of God that he went out of his way to build a synagogue on behalf of the people. He used his wealth, his substance, to build a synagogue for the people. I'm like, I think about these stories, but, but I've never heard them on a Sunday. <laughs> I've never heard these stories on a Sunday. It's like, but they would have inspired me so much. I'm like, I want to build an entire church on behalf of the kingdom of God. I want to do that now. Why? Because it's there. I want to be somebody who is written about and says, you know, he gave alms generously to the people, right? I want to be those people. I want to be that role, but we typically haven't valued it. But you and I, as marketplace people, are going to do this today. My Bible tells me that God delights in the prosperity of his people. God delights in the prosperity of his people. God delights in the prosperity of his people, but... I think there's a caveat to this, and this is the bit that matters. God is not upset by wealth or prosperity. He's upset by corruption, okay? Corrupt hearts, okay? So yes, there is power in prosperity, but the power leaves when corruption enters. There is no power in our prosperity when our prosperity is all about us. 
See, the reason why I pulled those examples out of the scripture is because they were not examples of people that had made money and kept it for themselves. Insert the rich young ruler, which is why he got a bit of a rebuke. No, I, I pulled out examples of people who made wealth for sake of the kingdom, for the sake of others. See, that's when your prosperity has power. When you make money and your view is to make money for the sake of more houses, more cars, more stuff, more things at the expense of the kingdom, then that is corruption at its best. So here's the test for you, those of you who want to grow in the area of prosperity and who want to see more power released through their life and through their wealth. Here's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Who owns the title deeds to my money? Who owns the title deeds? And I don't mean on paper, and I don't mean a covenant. I mean in your heart. Who owns the title deeds to your money? Here's the answer. Quick fact check. If any of it is you, you're on the verge of corruption. Literally, as you sit here today, my Bible says that the whole earth belongs to God and everything in it. And so if we are going to experience the power of prosperity, we must make sure that we own none of it. We steward 100% of it, but we own none of it. When we start to have ownership over something that God owns, then immediately we are setting ourselves up against God because we are trying to become God. And let me tell you, that's going to end in disaster. So, inside our heart, the only decision we've got to make is, I want to grow in the things of prosperity, but I don't want to grow in the things of corruption. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me get to the point where I want to produce more wealth for the sake of advancing the kingdom and not for the sake of advancing myself. It is a hard, hard task. And that is why Scripture is full of warnings. Because when you get to that point that you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to see it as my gift. I'm called to the marketplace. <clears throat> you know, like, like, like you haven't called me to worship, um, you know, publicly, you, you know, lead worship. You haven't called me to preach. You haven't called me to do Sunday school. You haven't called me to do this. You've called me to do business. And so if that's the gift you've put inside of me, Lord, then I want to use every bit of that gift I possibly can before I give an account of my life. And so, Lord, help me. Because that's when those scriptures make sense because... You know, it is harder for the camel to go, easier for the camel to go for the iron needle, rich man go to heaven. But it goes on to say, with God, all things are possible. And that's the key here. That's the key here. With God, all things are possible. When you decide in your heart that you want to go for the pursuit of wealth is noble, as long as it's about the kingdom, then you are going to have <clears throat> opportunities and tests put in front of you every single day. And that's when you're going to have to lean on the Lord. And that's when you're going to have to lean on Scripture. And that's when you're going to want to heed those warnings because they're going to be suddenly be real. Because as you pursue wealth and you start to get some, the spirit of mammon's going to rise up and want to steal the very gift and very talent that's God, that God's put inside of you. But that comes down to you. What we can't do is we can't be so scared by a spirit of mammon who's already been defeated that we don't go and use our gift. If we've got a gift inside of us and the Holy Ghost inside of us, why are we worried about an enemy? As long as we stay yielded to Christ, as long as we stay yielded to other people, as long as we stay accountable, as long as we start owning the stuff, then you can't get it wrong. Yeah, there'll be times when you might do something a little bit crazy. That happens to every believer, right? But you can't be put off by what might happen, especially you can't be put off 
by an enemy that's already been defeated because greater who is in you than is the one in the world and so you don't even have to worry about it but you might need to be aware of it so that you don't get taken out by it so that you can do something great in the kingdom of God. The pursuit of wealth is noble as long as you don't take ownership over the wealth and you distribute it according to what the Lord says. It will be a phenomenal gift in the kingdom of God, a gift that's been lacking in the kingdom of God for a, for a long, long time. So I want to pray boldness over you guys right now to be able to step into this with everything that you have. Don't worry about those people that don't get it. <clears throat> My entire life, there have been well-meaning people who have told me that God's not interested in numbers or God's not interested in finance or God's not interested in whatever. He just wants your heart. Of course he does, but he's already got that. Now I want to plumb the depths of the gifts he's put inside of me and the tasks he's got for me so that I can move the needle in the kingdom of God. And that's what I'm wanting for you guys. That's what I'm wanting for you guys. You know, fast forward, fast forward 27 years from today. What would happen if thousands of redeemed believers decided that I'm doing it anyway, in spite of what everybody says? What if they just decided I'm going to do the pursuit of wealth is noble as long as it's about others? In a 27-year window, what does the kingdom of God look like in Australia and New Zealand and Canada and the UK? Let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like a whole bunch of finance that have done a whole bunch of projects, probably led millions of people to the Lord, but it also looks like a whole bunch of influence in society, in you know, community that we don't have today. And then we can, of course, use that influence to point all the glory back to God. We've been there before. We have not been there for a few hundred years, but we can be there again. What it's going to take, though, is first of all, I want to give you permission and you permission to actually explore the gift of wealth and actually bring it to the surface and see it as your duty to the king to pursue wealth so that you can use those means for kingdom causes. Well, guys, I am going to wrap up by praying for you. I can't pray for you individually today, but if you want prayer, if you want breakthrough, if you want, if you want new thoughts, new revelations, new ideas around this concept of prosperity, then in the chat and in the comments, just give me a thumbs up or something like that so that I know who I'm praying for. <clears throat> Behind the camera, I've got a massive screen and I can see all your comments coming up up there. So I, I want to see, you know, I, I'm going to pray, but I want you to be included. This is like a, this is like a COVID hand raise in church. Right? But God's not too worried about distance and technology. He can do it anyway. So I'm going to pray for you. And if that's you and you want to be included in that, then let's get some thumbs up in this place. Father God, <clears throat> humbly, as marketplace people, we come before you with a request. God, help us to get clarity on our role as entrepreneurs, as wealth builders <clears throat> in the kingdom of God. Father, also help us get a re revelation of the kind of attacks that will come, but just how good it is that you've already beaten them and what you've put inside of us to win. Lord Jesus, put people around us. Father God, put people around us that are also of this same heart that want to pursue wealth for the kingdom of God so that we can feed off each other. 
Father God, I ask that you remove people from our path who are likely to want to pull us down. We speak to those religious spirits who have snuffed out the gift of wealth creation. And I say, be gone in the name of Jesus. And I silence you right now in the name of Jesus because your time is up. Father, we loose this gift on earth so that it can absolutely explode, meaning that we end up with more funds to be able to do your things. We know, God, that you don't need our money, but we also know, God, that the soup kitchen does. And so, Father, we want to play a part in that. We want to release the gift of everything inside of us so that we can walk in the fullness of what you've got for us so that when we stand in front at the end of our life and give an account, we will hear good and faithful servant. Lord Jesus, help us get breakthrough in that area. Father God, I pray as we read the word, I pray Holy Spirit, start to throw words off the page that are going to start to edify and build us up on this journey of exploring what does it look like what does it look like to be weird and not make money for ourselves? What does it look like to make money to want to bless other people? Father God, I help right now as those people have raised their hands and their thumbs and they're all over the world. Father God, I pray right now that an anointing and a grace fall on them even thicker and harder than it ever has before. Even as they are breathing now, Lord Father, I just pray they're breathing in and, and tasting and seeing just how good you are in this area. Father God, I pray for for religious spirits to just break off right now in the name of Jesus. And I speak freedom and I speak life and I speak liberty in the area of finance over every single person. Amen.